0: I want to jump straight into the word of God today. I want to go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis 50. And I want to look at verses 15 through 21. Genesis chapter 50. Can I see your hand just one more time? If this is your first time ever to social balance, can I see your hand? That is amazing. Come on. All throughout here, keep it raised just a little bit longer. Thank you so much for coming. Y'all on the front row when it's your first time. Come on. It's the danger zone right here. I'm just saying. It's like a sea world. I spit. I'm playing. I don't. I'm very calm. I'm very calm. Uh, The book of Genesis. Genesis, uh, the first book of the Bible. If you can't find Genesis, just just exit the wind sphere. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Genesis chapter 50. And I want to look at verses 15 through 21, the last chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 50. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. <laughs> I love it. If you need a little time, say, hold on. All right. Security, can you? Uh, no. <laughs> Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. We'll start at verse number 15. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Ooh. It's funny, uh, his father actually didn't say that, but they were so guilty over what they did, they had to make up a little letter. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God. I'm going to read the rest of it. I just want to parenthetically pause right here and say that if there was ever two words that you should circle, underline, highlight, put big stars next to in your Bible, I mean it's your Bible, it's your smart device, you do whatever you want with it, but if there were two words that you should highlight, it's those two words right there, but... God, those two earths right there have the power to shift, alter, change the trajectory of your life, but God, I feel like I got some but God people in here today that said I would have lost my mind, but God, I wasn't going to come to church today, but God, I would have slapped you back, but but God <laughs> That's a a good thing to highlight. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you. Joseph, you better than me. And your little ones. Thus he comforted them And spoke kindly to them. So much in this, but really, verse 20 of chapter 50 is my focus. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's where I wanna hang my head right there, so much so that I wanna title uh, this message today, The Law of 5020. The law of 50-20 you know it's not a social service that if I don't have you say something to your neighbor so look at your neighbor whichever one you like the best and just say neighbor oh neighbor don't ever forget the law of 50-20 see that neighbor was stuck up I saw them I saw them we got good lighting in here find you another neighbor please find another neighbor come on say other neighbor I'm talking to you don't you ever forget the law of 50-20. If you believe God still speaks at the 1130 at the Windspear Opera House, would you give them some praise up in here? Ooh. God, have your way today. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The law of 50-20. <sighs> Have you, uh, has anybody broken the law lately? <laughs> That's how I want to start. Anybody broken the law lately? Can I see your hand? If you I'm kidding. Don't, don't raise your hand, please. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. We got cameras everywhere in here. Broken the law lately. Don't, don't tell on you. Don't tell on you. I'll tell on me. I'll tell on me. Um, I, I have broken the law before. Be very vulnerable, and I'm going to share this story with you, okay, of when I broke the law. And, and before I share this story, please, d- don't judge me. Do not judge me, because I need to let you know that this happened a while ago. This is in my past, okay? This is my past. This happened two years ago. Um, <sighs> happened two years ago. I had a little situation. And even before I tell you the story of what happened, you first need to know this about me. I am a horrible driver, I'm a horrible driver. I hear people in this section saying, preach, shut up. Uh, (laughs) I'm a horrible driver. You do not want to be in the passenger seat with me, okay? And I'm actually proud of being a horrible driver, okay? The reason I'm a horrible driver is because I'm a deep thinker okay? I'm a very deep thinker. I don't know if you noticed. I have notes up here, but for the most part, I preach from the dome. I preach from my cranium. So it's a lot of messages that are going on in my head. I'm constantly thinking about sermons and illustrations. Some of y'all come in tired, so I try to think of illustrations that are going to make you wake up and <laughs> the light bulb go off. So it's a lot of times while I'm driving, I'm thinking of messages, and that's a dangerous combination because sometimes I forget things like red lights and speed limits and things. And so True story, two years ago, two years ago, I'm on my way to church. This is at the time in our church where we're having services at Granada Theater on Greenville Avenue. Anybody was there when we had services, had the 6 p.m. turn-up service at Granada? And I'm driving to Granada, and I'm thinking about my message, and I'm thinking about my sermon as I'm driving deep in thought. As I'm driving, now that I look back, I do remember there was a time while I was driving where I did see some red and blue lights. Behind me. But I kind of looked back and I said, oh, that ain't for me. Keep thinking and driving. And so I kept thinking, kept driving, and sure enough, a good four to five minutes later, I hear on an intercom, pull over the car now! I said, oh, those red lights and blue lights were for me. So I pull over the car on the side of the road, true story, on 75, and I'm there, and I'm sitting, and the officer comes in. You could tell he felt some type of way. He said, I broke down my window. He said, oh, uh, are you okay? Is everything all right with you? I said, I'm blessed, sir. (laughs) Highly favored, how are you? He said, well, something must be wrong. Did you not see me for the last five minutes? following you you were going in between lanes you weren't even putting your traffic signal on and you were going past the speed limit are you okay did you not see me I said officer I did not see you I said I am so sorry I was not I was not even aware nor was I cognizant of the fact that you were behind me as a matter of fact it's an oddity and a rarity that I would even be pulled over in the first place would you mind if I retrieve my interest see when I get pulled off, I get very articulate okay I was so- <laughs> nervous. I said, can I get my insurance? I said, sir, I'm so sorry. He goes, where are you headed? I said, well, first of all, I'm a pastor. You always throw that in there. (laughs) I said, I am a pastor, but this is when it backfired, because he literally looked at my J's and my hoodie and goes, you a pastor. (laughs) I said, yes, I'm a pastor. He goes, what's the name of your church? I said, Social Dallas. He goes, where's the church? I said, well, is at Granada Theater. He said, your church is at Granada Theater. I said, yeah, you know the one on Greenville Avenue? He said, oh, I know where Granada Theater is. You have a church at Granada Theater? I said, yes. He said, get out the car. No, I'm just playing. He didn't say that. <laughs> he said, all right, uh, let me check a few things. Sit tight. Left goes back to the car, and that's exactly what I did. I sat tight. <laughs> Isn't that what you do? Come on, don't act like you ain't ever been pulled over before. Oh, that is a long wait. <laughs> know what you've done it's a really long wait it's <laughs> just sitting there in the car in trepidation trying to figure out is he gonna come back with a ticket handcuffs or is he gonna come back with what i really want a warning please just give a brother a warning so i'm there praying in tongues hoping he comes back with a warning oh he didn't come back with a warning he came back with a ticket a full ticket i'm talking about the long ticket that looked like the ten commandments I sign that thing with attitude like you do too. And isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? You've been there before when you've been pulled over. We all want a warning, don't we? Just give me a warning, please. Give me some grace. Give me some forgiveness. You'll say whatever story you got to do. I'm rescuing some puppies down the street. I'm late for work. We all want a warning, don't we? The challenge of the officer always giving a warning is that if all he does is give away warnings all the time, how many of you know he will put other drivers in danger? Not only that, the law will no longer hold any weight if all the officer does is gives everybody a warning. So officers sit in the peculiar position of power because they're constantly having to make the decision of whether they let you go with a warning or whether they write you a ticket and make you pay. Do we let you go or do we make you pay? Ladies and gentlemen, you might not be an officer, but have you ever dealt with what I call the tension between justice and forgiveness? (laughs) That inside of every single one of us, we have this desire, don't we, for justice? Oh, we want justice, especially if there's been a violation towards us. We want justice. If something has been done wrong, how many of you know we will start a hashtag? We will get a picket, and we want a group of people who give us justice. I do this with my kids all the time. Sometimes I'll break up some candy, and I'll give one a bigger piece on purpose because I want to see the reaction No, hold on! How did you get a bigger piece than me? And isn't it crazy? Nobody taught them to have outrage over injustice That is hardwired in every single one of us You don't believe that people want justice and people want fair? Just go to a long line somewhere and just cut Just get in front And when somebody says, hey, what are you doing? Say, oh, I just felt like it And watch how you get punched in the face Because in the inside of us, we want justice. You know why you want justice? It's because you were created in the image of God. And your God is a God of justice. Please believe that God wants justice. Your God cries for justice so much that blood speaks. We find this out in the book of Genesis, that the blood speaks to him. How many you know God is a God of justice, and that's why we want justice? The problem is, if we're on the other end of it, (laughs) if we did the violation... We want forgiveness. The same hand that was like justice is like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> Give me a warning. You know I'm flawed. You know I'm messed up. Everybody wants justice, but also everybody wants forgiveness, especially if you want to be the recipient of the forgiveness. This is the tension of justice and forgiveness. On one hand, God is a God of justice. And on the other hand, at the core of Christianity is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You cannot call yourself a believer if you don't ever forgive our whole faith centers on a Savior who was innocent and hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He even says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, that if you are praying to God and you realize you have issue with your brother, stop and forgive the person. That you have issue with. Why? So your heavenly father can forgive you. Forgiveness is at the core of Christianity. When you come to faith, you first come understanding that I have missed the mark. I have sinned and I need grace and I need forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness is interesting because forgiveness is a double-edged word. Because how many know we love it when we get it, but we struggle to give it. Y'all gonna look at me like that. You gonna act like as saved as you are. You don't struggle to forgive the people that talked about you, that did you wrong. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles to forgive because let's be honest, there's something that actually feels good when they do you wrong and you can hang it over their head. So when they walk in the room, you can look at them and say, you better watch yourself. You know what you did to me it's almost empowering come on let's be honest we struggle to give forgiveness that is a reality the struggle to forgive not only do we struggle to give it we struggle to define it like, like what is forgiveness we don't just struggle to define it we struggle to know when should it happen like do I forgive you five minutes after you did it two minutes or do I wait 33 years how so long Jesus was alive you know church people would just get real spiritual he was alive 33 years I'll holler at you in 33 years no <laughs> no when do when do we give it? to what extent does the forgiveness go like just cuz I forgive you does that mean we got to go to lunch just cuz I forgive you do you come to my birthday party now just cuz I forgive forgive you do I unblock you on the gram now how does it work to what extent does forgiveness go we still struggle to define it and not only that the real struggle with forgiveness He said, even if I get to the place of forgiving, it is hard to forget. I I often ask people when I'm preaching a sermon, we did it at our headquarters. Ooh, you know, I'm going to throw that out there. We got a headquarters. I got an office. And so we were in the offices and I was asking people, I told them whenever I'm preaching, I always get feed forward because feed forward is a lot better than feedback sometimes. And so I said, hey, y'all, in the office, what's the hardest part about forgiveness? And almost every single one of them said this, forgetting. That's the hard part because every time I see them, I remember what they did. I can't forget. Here is the beauty of our Savior. He can forget. Ooh, that should be good news for somebody today, that God is not going to keep bringing up your past. He actually has the ability to forget it. Read Micah 7 when you get home. It's a powerful scripture. It gives this imagery that your God actually can throw your sins in the depths of the sea. Ooh, some people call it the sea of forgetfulness. He can do that, we can't. I can't forget, matter of fact, I got a good memory. And even if I could throw it into the depths of the sea, I will go deep sea fishing. (laughs) Oh yes, especially if you start acting funny and you forget what you did. I said, hold up, let me remind you of 1998 and what you did to me. Oh, it's hard to forgive. It's even harder to forget. Which brings me to my text today in Genesis chapter 50. Verse number 20. It's not right what I did to you. What I did to you earlier about just reading that little portion of scripture would be the equivalent of getting a Netflix series and going to the last episode and you're just watching one scene. That's what I did to you because there's some people that when you heard that scripture and that text, you don't really feel what is in the room. When Joseph is now faced with the very brothers who betrayed him and he looks at them and says, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And all the people that started shouting, saying, amen, hallelujah, that's all the church people. Because you know the story of Joseph. Come on. You're a proud Sunday school alumnus. You've been saved since the third trimester of your mama's pregnancy. So you know all about Joseph. Some of you, I could give you the mic, and you could preach the whole series of Joseph. You know Joseph. He got a coat from his daddy. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a pit, and then he went to prison. But then he got to the palace. You know God will do that. He'll take you from the pit to the palace. Hallelujah. Been there, done that. Got the series and the podcast. You know it all. And just indulge me over the next few moments because I got to preach to you, but I also got to preach to the person in here who, when I said Joseph, they went, oh, yeah, I know Joseph. that Jesus' stepdaddy, ain't it? Like, yeah, Mary and Joseph in the Bible, I know Joseph. That's a different Joseph. That Joseph came a lot later. This Joseph, his life is chronicled from Genesis 37 to Genesis 15. 50. Please understand that Joseph gets more biblical real estate than Moses, Abraham, and Noah. We learn more about the life of Joseph than we learn about Adam and Eve and even creation. We get a lot of information about Joseph. Oh, no, this ain't the Joseph that got it on with Mary later after she had Jesus. No, this is a different Joseph. He is the 11th of 13 children that his father had. His name was Jacob, and those 13 children came from two different wives and two different sides. Oh, read your Bible. The Bible ain't boring. I'm telling you, it is some stuff in your Bible. This is Joseph. It intrigues me that the Bible, especially the book of Genesis, would spend 25% of its time talking about one dude named Joseph. That's a lot of time to talk about one man. What in the world does God want us to know about Joe? To give us 25% of Genesis covering his life? God, what do you want us to know about him? I want you to know the law of 50-20. The law of 50-20 that says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, those of you who are still shouting at that verse like I was saying, yeah, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. You need to understand, I don't want to kill your shout, but you need to understand, it took Joseph 22 years to say that. It took him 22 years from the time of the betrayal to the time that he saw his betrayers again it took him 22 years to actually get to the law of 5020 and say you meant it for evil but God meant it for good 22 years to get to that verse so if you're gonna start shouting about the law of 5020 I hate to be the bearer of bad news it may take some time for you to get to 5020 oh this ain't a message that you just get in five minutes it took him 22 years to get to that place. What are you saying, Robert? I'm saying sometimes it takes time to get perspective on your pain. It takes time to get perspective on why you went through what you went through. Is there anybody in there who's lived long enough to say that sometimes when you're in the pit and sometimes when you're in the prison and sometimes when the knife is still in your back, you cannot discern how God could use the thing. So sometimes you have to give it a little bit of time to get perspective on the pain that you went through. Come on somebody. That's why I have to encourage you today, especially if you're going through a difficult situation. Don't you dare give up. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you kill yourself. You don't know what God has on the other side of this. God has a way of weaving the good and the bad but it just takes a little time to look back over your shoulder and say, oh, that's why I had to lose that job and that's why they had to walk out on me and that's why they didn't have to text me back. I didn't I was gonna get this spouse. I'm so glad they didn't text me back. It takes time. Oh, it takes time. Don't you let the enemy make you quit. Don't you let the enemy make you kill yourself. God is the author and the perfecter of your faith. You in a bad chapter, but that don't mean your life is over. He's still writing your story. Oh, I need somebody to take a little praise break at the wind spear and just thank God that I'm going to get to the law of 5022. I just need a little time. Give me some time. Look at your neighbor and say, Give me some time. I'm going to get to 5020. Just give me a little bit of time. He did not get that in a moment. It took 22 years for him to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Oh, I wish I wish you could get that in a moment I wish you could get the law of 5022 in a moment you know what I wish I wish that life would warn you when there's about to be a plot twist don't you wish (laughs) it's not like God God you want to speak let me know when there's about to be a plot twist you know what a plot twist is plot twist is when there is a sudden or drastic shift in the story that changes everything Lord let me know when there's going to be a plot twist. Could you just give me a heads up like, hey, they smiling right now, they gonna stab you in the bag. <laughs> they say they nice right now, but you about to see they ugly as soon as you ask them to do something that they don't wanna do. Could you give me a plot twist? Could you, could you let, me, let me know that the spouse that I thought I could trust is a completely different person and living another life. Could you give me a heads up on the plot twist? Could you have let us know? That's why I told you all the time. Remember you know, when the pandem- pandemic happened? I said, God, I would have been prepared for the pandemic if you would have just told me. <laughs> I would have been all good with 2020 if you would have just told me in 2019. I would have had all kinds of stuff. Better prayer life and toilet tissue. Just give me a heads up. But that don't happen. Life doesn't warn you of the plot twist. It just happens. Oh, Joseph? Ooh. He knows about a plot twist. Joseph's life, read it when you get to the crib, had a whole lot of twist. And I did something this week that maybe some of you do with your lives. I went back and I looked at Joseph's lives and I was trying to get him out of the pit. I was trying to get him out of prison. Come on, have you ever done that with your life? Especially when you're going through a difficult season. Have you ever in your own mind started asking yourself the question, what could I have done different? That's a dangerous game to play. I call it the what if game. What if What if my mom would have been there for me? What if my dad wouldn't have walked out? Oh, what if it's a dangerous game to play? Oh, it's powerful for your faith. Ooh, what if I get healed today? What if I get my breakthrough today? What if somebody writes a check and we can go buy us a new building today? Oh, yes, gets that's, that's, good for your faith. But whenever you start looking back over your past and the pain, and you start playing what if, trying to avoid the pit and the prison seasons of life, oh, it's a day. But I did it this week. I tried to get Joseph out of the pit. And as I started looking at his life, you know who I got mad at first? His daddy, Jacob. He started the whole thing. I was like, Jacob, homie, why would you play favorites? Come on, he elevated his son Joseph above all of his other brothers. No wonder they fell some type of way. You need a parenting class, Jacob. Why in the world? Would you elevate this boy and make him your favorite? If anybody should have known the pain of being on the other side of a favorite child, how many know it should have been Jacob? Uh, Some of y'all don't know your Bible. Don't you remember his father Isaac favored Esau, his brother, over him because he was a manly man and because he was a hunter and there was Jacob in the house with his mama watching Martha Stewart cooking and his father favored his brother over him and it caused all kinds of turmoil in his life. You would think that if you endured that type of challenging childhood that when you became a parent, you would say, no, 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 no no favorites in this house. I love all y'all. But isn't it funny, the same mistake his father did, he's now repeating himself even though he didn't like it when he went through it that ought to give you a heart to forgive some of the parents that did you wrong some of them don't even know how to do different they just repeated the model that was put in front of them And even though they hated what they got, that was all that they saw. And now they did the same thing to you. So maybe you should have a little grace, especially because you are parents now. And God ain't through with you yet. You want a warning too. (laughs) So I got mad at his dad. I said, Jacob, why you favor that boy? Then I got mad about the coat. This coat, Jacob, why in the world did you give him a special coat that's all bright and loud and colorful? Why would you give him a loud coat? And then I started getting Joseph out of pit. I said, well, Joseph, you didn't have to wear the coat if you knew your brother was gonna feel some type of way don't put the coat on don't post the coat just put the coat in your closet but then I started saying wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Joseph didn't ask for that coat he never begged his daddy for that coat his dad just made that coat for him his father favored him and gave him that coat I said no 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 you wear your coat Joseph because that's what culture does today isn't it crazy how when God has given you a gift how when God has put favor over your life insecure people who can't handle the gift of God on your life will make you feel embarrassed about your coat and will make you shrink back and you won't bring your best foot forward I came to tell somebody you better wear that coat God formed you God created you that insecurity is their problem you better put on that coat I didn't ask for this gift I didn't ask for grace I didn't ask for this favor God in his goodness just gave it to me I didn't earn it that's the beauty of grace I'm gonna wear my coat need somebody to take a praise break if you've ever had people make you feel small and shrink back the gift that God put on the inside of you and you were scared that if you wore the coat you were gonna get canceled God told me to tell you put your coat back on wear your coat oh I'm in that season of life I'm gonna wear my coat I'm going to wear. I didn't ask for this coat I don't I didn't say I didn't say God give me this he just gave it to me it's a tailor-made coat I know it's loud but my father gave it to me what else I'm gonna do you ever see somebody wear something loud what they gonna do once they got it on you can't turn down fabric you can't turn down how you were knitted. You cannot turn down how you were wired. Oh, God, he just gave that to me. Quit trying to turn down the way you were designed and created to function. I just flow like this. I'm sorry. People just like me. I just got this personality. I just got these looks. I just got this hair. Yes, I bought it, but he blessed me with the money to buy. Ow! I'm going to wear my coat. Insecurity is your problem wearing the coat is my responsibility It's my responsibility to wear this coat. I don't know how many days I have on this earth tomorrow is not promised to me. Why would I leave the coat in the closet when the father designed it for me. I Wish have wore a coat to preach this message Wear your coat hashtag wear Yo coat. Make this a YouTube reel, Frank. Wear your coat. It's bright. I know he gave it to me though. Almost said he shouldn't have worn the coat. And almost said he shouldn't have had a dream. Come on, you can't help having a dream. Where do dreams come from? They come from God. I mean how you gonna not have a dream? I mean, think practically, not even metaphorically. How are you gonna have a dream? Just stay awake. <laughs> then they say you're daydreaming. Somebody always gonna say something. <laughs> the dream came from God. And then I said we well, he couldn't help the favor, he couldn't help the code, he couldn't help the dream. And I almost went this route, like some preachers do. Well, he didn't have to tell his brothers. Keep your mouth shut. Be careful who you tell your dream. And I almost preached that, and it sounds cute. It'll get an amen, and maybe there's some wisdom in it. But anybody that tells you, don't tell your dream, must not have ever had a God-given dream. Because when God gives you a dream, your natural reaction is to scream the dream that you heard. If it's really a dream for God, now I'm not talking about a fantasy, because some of y'all have fantasies and you think it's a dream. Shall I explain the difference? (laughs) A fantasy is something that's only gonna benefit you. And so, no wonder nobody gets on board because nobody wants to be in a part of your fantasy that just benefits you when God gives you a dream, it will always be bigger than you, when God gives you a dream it will affect generations after you, when God gives you a dream your great 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 grandchildren will be walking in the dream that you had if you really believe it, but when God gives you a dream, you cannot be quiet about it, you'll talk to people at Chipotle and Chick-fil-A about that dream, you'll be in an Uber ride, and say can I tell you real quick because God's been speaking to me, I wish we would have a culture that wouldn't try to shut people up just because they have a dream I think the power is not just in saying I have a dream, I want to know do you have the nerve, the audacity to scream your dream I know you have a dream but can you scream your dream because the moment you start screaming your dream that's when hell gets nervous, that's when demons start to tremble, can we go down history lane, I want to go back to August 28, 1964 at the Lincoln Memorial, it was not just that Dr. King had a dream he had a scream, he had the nerve and the audacity to vocalize the thing that God put on the inside of him and this is your year not just to go deeper but to scream louder the dream that God has put on the inside of you I have a scream I got to scream that one day revival will break out in Dallas I got to scream until fathers and mothers come back together again I got to scream until It ain't just my dream. You gotta scream your dream. You gotta scream your dream. Sometimes you gotta scream it so when it comes to pass years later, somebody can go, Oh, I remember when you said it. Because everybody will jump on board when it happens. But you better scream it when you don't see nothing. Oh, you gotta scream it when there's no evidence for it. Because when it comes to pass, then everybody be like, Oh, yeah, I always saw it. Did you? I have a scream, I have a scream. That's actually how that whole speech started. You do realize that that wasn't in his notes. When Dr. King penned that speech, so the story goes, he did not plan to say, I have a dream. But while he was giving the speech, Mahalia Jackson, that great gospel voice, said, Martin, tell him about the dream. All of a sudden, he went off script and said, I have a dream, Thank God for Mahalia Jackson Sometimes you need some people When you wanted to shrink back and not say anything You need some support in your life To say you better scream the dream She she heard him give that speech before So she said Martin Tell him about the dream Oh I feel like I'm your Mahalia Jackson today Tell him about the dream Tell him about what you see God doing in your life Tell him about that generational curse Breaking off of yourself Scream your dream I gotta say something. If I don't say it, I won't see it. If I don't say it, I won't see it. If I don't say it, I won't see it. If I don't say it, I won't see it. I gotta I gotta scream the dream. I gotta scream the dream. So I can't even I can't even castigate Joseph for telling his brothers. Matter of fact, who else was he gonna tell? That's all he had was his brothers. Who else was he gonna tell? And let's just go deeper. Because even though he did tell them the dream, okay, you say he was immature, he shouldn't have told them. Okay, does that warrant you stripping off his robe and throwing him in a pit? Does that warrant that? Just because I was loud with my dream? Have we been castigating Joseph for all these years? Saying he was a kid that was talking too much or should we not address the evil and the insecurity that was in the heart of his own brothers? Oh, see, I gotta be careful because God's talking to me while I'm talking to y'all. See, if I had time, I would tell you it wasn't even really just a dream or the scream that intimidated them. It was their position in the dream. If he had dreamed that he was gonna bow down to them, they would have said, oh, record it. Say it one more time. Let me hear it. But they had an issue with where God chose to place them in the dream. Is me having a dream Does it warrant you throwing me in a pit Is that the punishment I get I mean come on if you annoy me scream my dream. How about just wait and see if it comes to pass just wait and see. That's what you could have done. That's actually what his father did. It says he kept it in mind. We'll see. That's why I'm telling people now. I know you've like 5'2. You wanna be in the NBA? We'll see. <laughs> I'm not gonna throw you in the pit. <laughs> you gonna have an album, win Grammys, you can sing better than Chandler, but then I hear your voice and you can't hear one good note, but you got a dream to be- sing, we'll see. <laughs> I ain't gonna throw you in a pit. <laughs> but the evil. The insidious hatred in their hearts made them plot. Even though he was afar off, he was just coming to check on them. They didn't even know. He didn't even know what he was about to walk into. It was an ambush. He said, hey, brothers, can you imagine? Hey, brothers, how are you? And to have all your brothers jump you, strip you of your robe, throw you in ape pit they were going to kill him they threw him in a pit ladies and gentlemen I have been to Israel I have seen these cisterns these pits it is deep it is dark and the bible feels the need to let you know there was no water in this pit meaning there was nothing to break his fall please believe bones broke when they threw him in that pit flesh lacerated by his own brothers to not only deal with that pain, but to also deal with the pain of your brothers pulling you out of the pit. And maybe you're thinking, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I won't say anything about my drink. I'm sorry, please don't do that again. But to know you're not pulling me out to help me. You're pulling me out to sell me for 20 shekels of silver. Oh, I did my due diligence. You understand that 20 shekels of silver is what you would pay for a handicapped slave. So isn't it crazy how sometimes the people that were responsible for the brokenness in your life add insult to injury by how they devalue you in front of you. Oh, you can't even keep a man. Oh, I guess I can't, Mom. But Dad was never around. And you never let me see him. What do you do when the people who broke you have the nerve to devalue you in front of you. 20 shekels of silver. And they sold him. And here is Joseph in a caravan carried by Ishmaelites. Not even knowing where he's headed and where he's going. And maybe you're in that place right now where the pain of the betrayal still hurts and you don't have a clue where you are right now. And if Joseph is looking in the natural, the Ishmaelites are steering that caravan. But if he's looking in the supernatural, the hand of God is steering that caravan. Oh, I don't know who this is for but this is the beauty of the sovereignty of God which means he overrules that he reigns that even when people have evil and malicious intent please understand that the sovereign hand of God is overruling overriding circumstances come on God needs to open up your eyes I know you're still wounded from the pain but don't get it twisted the Ishmaelites thought they were driving that caravan no 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 no, no. the hand of God was overseeing that caravan because he said I got to get you to Egypt. I'm just using them as an Uber driver to get you there. And I know it's painful. And yes, what they did was evil. But don't forget uh, the law of 5020 that my intentions will override and overrule. Somebody right now is in a situation and from one perspective, it seems like the enemy is winning and he's working. But don't you understand that the hand of God is overruling. He is working things for your good even when you can't see it oh I gave it the first service I may as well give it to you I remember when I was a kid I was sitting my dad's lap as a kid and I'd be driving you ever that you ever do that as a kid drive and my dad would have me in his lap and I'm eight nine years old he's like okay Nigeria turn right and I'm turning right you see it's turning Yeah. okay turn left turn left you see it's turning. isn't it crazy as a kid I thought I was really moving that big on machine. Not knowing it was the hand of my father. See, that's why I laugh at the enemy when he sends attacks my way he thinks he's twisting and turning and messing things up but he don't know that my father is overruling and overriding some of y'all talking about Jesus take the wheel he said I never had my head off the wheel don't you get it twisted I've always been sovereignly omnipotently omnisciently working things for your good that's why you can't stop praising them even when you're going through painful situations because the of God he's got his hands on the wheel and he leads Joseph all the way to Egypt I gotta give you 14 chapters in 20 minutes y'all bored yet he leads Joseph all the way to Egypt can you see him on the block being sold the shame of being sold as property and yet even in that God's hand was still orchestrating things. People were trying to say, I'll buy him, I'll buy him. And God's like, no, Potiphar, this one. Even in the brokenness and the pain, even in the evil, God made sure he got to the right house. Potiphar's house. And he gets into Potiphar's house, and yes, he's a slave, but watch this. He has such character, excellence of spirit that he does not allow his circumstance to dictate his excellence or his character so although he is a slave he does not behave as one and he lives his life with such character and excellence that he does not allow his circumstance to dictate whether he's gonna have excellence I'm curious are you doing what you do right now with excellence are you waiting for the promotion Some people wonder why they never get the promotion, never go to the next level, not realizing God is watching how you steward what you are doing right now. Oh, can I just get on my little soapbox real quick? It is amazing to see people as we're building a church and building this organization who don't want to steward little things well and think they're going to get promoted to steward a big thing well. I want to see. I know you can sing, but can you hold the sign with the same passion that you're going to hold the microphone? Can you do a menial task with excellence? See, God will let you do the big thing when you do the little thing like it's a big thing. So because he's got an excellent spirit, he gets a promotion. And now he's second in command, man. And yes, he's a slave. He's in the air condition. He can do a few laps in Potiphar's pool when he wants to. And just when everything's going good for Joseph. Plot twist. Potiphar got a thirsty wife. We don't know sister girl's name. But all we know is that Joseph... her eye. It's interesting because right before the Bible lets you know that Potiphar's wife made these moves on Joseph, it also lets you know that Joseph was handsome and well-built. That's important to the story because you understand that when the Bible says you handsome and well-built, yo, (sighs) can't nobody tell you ugly, okay? This is in Scripture. Matter of fact, there's only four men in the Bible that God said they were handsome, okay? That is David, that is Saul, and that is Absalom and Joseph, okay? So ladies, when we get to heaven, if I was you, I would just go knock on one of them doors just to see. How good did they look for the Bible to say, yo, handsome? It said Joseph was handsome. Another thing you can't pick, God just gave it to him. But any gift that you have, the enemy will try to pervert take advantage of. So the good looks that God gave him caught the eye of a desperate, thirsty housewife. And every day, every day, she begged him to sleep with him. Look at the character and the integrity of Joseph that he denied her every day, said no. Oh God, give us a generation of some men and women both who have character and integrity say i cannot put the reputation of god or my relationship with god at risk by giving in to this momentary lust and temptation every day he's like back up every day he's blocking her he ain't sliding into her dms she's sliding into his and he is rejecting her every day one time when he rejected her, he said how can i do this evil thing before God That's when you know your integrity has gone to another level when it's no longer that you're just scared of the Ramifications of what would happen if you did it, but you actually say no this is gonna damage my relationship with God I love God too much to do this And he denies and it makes her angry One day she grabbed him he pulled Ezekiel Elliott, Took off like a running back which, by the way, is the only way to respond to sexual sin. <laughs> this ain't one you pray about. Run! Run! I don't know who that's for. Run! You can't handle it. Well, let me just say. Run! Shout out to Joseph. Homeboy would have stayed and prayed. We would have a different story in this Bible. But he was, oh, God, yeah. Just run. Took off. And here's why I take issue. Not with Joseph, but with God. Because if it's me, and I denied every advance, if it's me, and I kept my integrity, and I kept my character, and I said no, and I ran, you know what I want as my reward? Give me a check. (laughs) I'm for real, direct deposit. (laughs) Call it the character check. Just give me a character check of fact, God come down from heaven and say, "My good and faithful <laughs> servant, and hope I'm well." believed it's not what Joseph got. His reward for integrity was his incarceration. She held on to his garment of all things. Made up a fake story said he raped me and he went to prison when he kept his integrity and his reputation is ruined. It's one thing to forgive the brothers that hurt you but what do you do when you're offended at God because you did the right thing and you still ended up in the wrong place? This is what nobody talks about in the church. Nobody talks about this subtle ideology that we adopt and believe in our hearts, even as believers sometimes. That if life is good, God is good. If life is bad, God is gone. That is a horrible theology. It's a horrible theology to believe that if you do everything right, you're always gonna end up in the right place. The life of Joseph is proof positive. Maybe that's why we got 14 chapters to show us that you can do the right thing and still end up in the wrong place. Maybe that's why we get the life of Daniel to show us you cannot bow down to the culture and they'll still throw you in a fiery furnace. Maybe that's why we get the life of Paul that says you can do deliverance and cast out demons out of a slave girl and you don't get a hand clap you get thrown in the inner part of the prison when is anybody gonna preach about this part that you can do the right thing and still end up in the wrong place and it is in that place where your faith has to become real it is in that place where you find out if you are serving God for God or you're serving God for the results oh that's what Job said Job went through hell and that's why the devil had an accusation. He said, of course Job praises you. Everything is going right. Let something go wrong and I bet he'll curse you. And Job never cursed God. He said, yeah he slay me. I'll still trust him. That's the type of faith God wants in some believers who say, I'll go deeper. That even when I do the right thing and it puts me in the wrong place, God, I'll still worship you. God, I'll still trust you. I'll still give you praise even in the prison because you know one thing that remained constant in Joseph's life? His garment Changed, his location changed, all kinds of things went up and down, but there's one thing you keep hearing, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, he was with him in the pit, he was with him when he was hated on, he was with him in Egypt, he was with him when he was on the caravan, he was with him in Potiphar's house, he was with him in the prison, can I pause, we're on Pando app, so inmates are watching this, can I say to every inmate that's watching this? with you in that prison. God has not forsaken you. He is right there in that prison with you. Oh, you don't have to have a beautiful place for him to be there. And the Lord was with Joseph, even in the prison. Same character he had in Potiphar's house, he had in the prison. And he gets elevated even in the prison. And I kept asking myself, what got Joseph out of the prison? Well, he interpreted the dream. You remember? He interpreted the dreams of a cupbearer and a baker. I said, oh, if he wouldn't have interpreted their dreams, when the cupbearer got out, even though he forgot, it took two years. (laughs) Sometimes people forget how good you were to them. He wouldn't have told Pharaoh, and then when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, that's what got him out. The Holy Spirit says, go deeper. What really got him out of the prison? What happened before he interpreted their dreams? It's Genesis 40, verse number six. When Joseph came to them in the morning, that them is the cupbearer and the baker, his fellow inmates. He saw that they were troubled. He saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? What? Joseph you mean to tell me you have such character and integrity that even when your integrity got you in prison you had every reason to be mad at God and mad at your brothers and mad at yourself you mean to tell me in prison you are still taking the time to look at other people who are going through pain you still notice that the face of other people are downcast no wonder the enemy wants betrayal to get in your heart no wonder he wants every hurt to linger in your heart because when that hurt gets in your heart it'll turn into hate and that hate will blind you to the people that God wants to use you to be a blessing to oh I don't know who this is for but don't you let bitterness rob you of your assignment you gotta get that hurt out of your heart so you don't miss your assignment God wants to know can you care for other people even when you're going through it Maybe that's why we stay in prisons longer than we should is because we're too busy saying me, me, me instead of going, why are you downcast? And he interpreted their dreams. And he got out. And he has a moment to get even with his brothers. Can you imagine? It's been 22 years! He's got them pulled over on the highway. He is the officer. He's the vice pharaoh now. All the powers in his hand, and they need him. Ooh, if it was me, I would have said, "Welcome, gentlemen." I'm not mad, but I am about to get even. I have a pit that's been prepared for 22 years for you. Guards, not Joseph. She's got too much purpose to be petty. He looks at him, he says, don't be afraid. First thing he says, don't be afraid. That's the first step, hear me. You've been hurt, you've been betrayed. He tells them, don't be afraid. In other words, let go of the anger you've been harboring in your heart towards that person. You've been playing it over and over again. You've been talking about it in every conversation. Listen, married couple, you keep bringing it up. Everything they did. He says, let go of the anger. When you let go of that anger, you can look at the person that hurts you and say, there's no need to be afraid because I'm not harboring this thing anymore. I have forgiven you in my heart. Let that anger go. That's the first step. Step number two, He asked the question, Am I in the place of God? That means Joseph has let go of his right to play God. I don't know who that's for, but stop holding on to the anger and stop playing God. Trust me, you would rather have God do the payback than you do the payback. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Stop playing God and telling the people that hurt you what you think they should get. You are not God. There is only one who is God. He said, Am I God? stop playing God and after he makes those bold declarations he gets to the law of 5020 you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. oh that's a good law right there you meant it for evil but God Meant it for good I'm gonna end like this is Sunday school class In Sunday school they would have you stand up at the end y'all stand up this is the end of Sunday school class In Sunday school when I grew up in church they would have you in with your memory verse and you had to come back the next week with your memory verse here's your memory verse It's my title it's the law of 5020 you meant it for evil but God meant it for good can you say that you meant it for evil but God meant it for good say it one more time you meant it for evil but God God meant it for good you meant it for evil but God meant it for good somebody that's dealing with hurt and betrayal and bitterness that's trying to rob you of your purpose and your assignment I want you to remember this message and remember the law of 5020 that you meant it for evil but God meant it for good there's a whole lot in that verse it took 22 years for him to get there I wonder why because there's so much packed in that verse you meant it for evil but God meant it for good i got perspective now on my pain i'm not in the pit or in the prison now now i can see that god's hand was working through something you meant it for evil but god meant it for good i tell you what i love in that verse right there i love but i love but but god but god when i grew up they used to have this little song and it told me that conjunction junction what's your function and let me know what a conjunction does that is an adversative conjunction and you understand anytime you have an adversative conjunction whatever comes on the back end of the bud supersedes what was on the front side of the butt. you meant it for evil but God meant it for good you've been focused on the first half of your life but God says don't forget the conjunction what happens on the back end? is going to overrule and supersede what happened on the front end of your life. Your life ain't over, but God, yes, they betrayed you, but God, yes, they walked away, but God, yes, it hurt, but God. I thought my shout was done at the conjunction, but God, then I realized, people don't know how to read. I don't know how to read you did not know how to read because you read it just like I read it you meant it for evil but God meant it for good but conjunctions aren't the only thing that's powerful my mama teaches punctuation matters the real reading is you meant it for evil comma but God meant it for good you meant it for evil comma but God meant it for good you know what a comma is let me tell you what it's not, it's not a period. A period means it's final. A period means it's over. That's why you've been so hurting, you can't forgive because you think what they did makes your life over. But this is the law of 5020. It means even your evil intentions cannot supersede the promises of God. A comma means pause, catch your breath. There's more coming, pause, catch your breath. It's a comma. You ever made a comma? You can't make a comma in a straight line. You gotta turn if you make a comma. And I serve a God that can turn your mourning into dancing. He'll turn your weeping into joy. I feel like preaching. He'll turn your season of lack into a season of abundance. What the enemy meant for evil. God gonna turn it for your good. I feel a song in my spirit. Can we sing? You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it. evil, and you turn it for good. You turn. Turn it. Hey. Somebody needs to worship and get your freedom today. And you're turning. Come on, as you worship, he's turning some things right now. It's the law fifty twenty. 50-20. Yeah. So I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see your am going I'm gonna see I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna see Not my battle. I'm gonna see victory. I'm gonna see the victory for the battle to the lord I'm gonna see the victory. I'm gonna see the victory for the battle with all to the Lord. One more time, you take what the enemy come. On. Sing it to your spirit. Believe it. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take the enemy meant free. and you turn it for good. You turn it. You turn it for good. Messages like this week and last week are are hard to preach. They're not surface messages, and they're deep. They're as deep as so many offenses and so many betrayals. I know I could pass this mic around, and some of us will be shocked at what some people have endured and gone through. But it is a trick of the enemy to get you to put a period where the pain was. Rehearsing it over and over again. And I came to tell you, the power of the law of 5020 says that God's intentions will always override and supersede the evil intentions of other people. And can I tell you, lest you leave here thinking this is a bunch of hype, it takes time sometimes to get to fifty twenty, but make sure in the time that you are rehearsing the right things see it's all right to say I need time to get there but if you are constantly rehearsing the hurt the pain the betrayal you are adding gasoline to the fire can I give you something better to rehearse see we say all the time and I've said it before Forgiveness is not for them, it's it's for you, which is true, but you gotta go deeper. Because if you just say it's just for me, you can almost get narcissistic with it and say, I'll forget them. It's It's just about me. As believers, we have to go deeper. You know what you rehearse if you're struggling to get to 50 20? Rehearse your Savior on a cross. Bleeding and broken, just like Joseph, he came to his own brothers and was rejected. They sold him out too for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was in the prison between the cupbearer and the baker. Jesus hung on the cross between two thieves. Jesus is the greater Joseph who truly did no wrong. And he hung there. And when he could have said, Father, hold it against them. They know what they did to me. That's what some of you are saying. They know what they did. They know the evil they did. He did not say that. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He did not even wait for you to ask for the forgiveness before he gave it if you're waiting for them to come groveling before you, you haven't forgiven. It's before you come. Something that happens in my heart and the thing I rehearse is how many of my sins he's forgiven. How many of my trespasses his blood has covered and as forgiveness flows to me it can then flow through me to somebody else. This is the law of 5020. To have faith to believe that the intentions of God will always override the evil intentions of other people. So I'm going to ask every head be bowed and eyes be closed today. Again, forgiveness is sometimes going to look different forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be reconciliation or you're going to be BFF with the person. I will say to somebody who's in a marriage today, if you want to save your marriage, you've got to forgive. Heard one person say that a great marriage is just two people who have learned to forgive well. Yes, there was an offense And Yes, we need to own it. Joseph never denied that what they did was evil. This is not burying it in the sand No, this was evil. This was wrong. But now that I've dealt with it I've got to forgive I Can't keep bringing it back up over and over again and letting it take over every conversation I can't keep adding gasoline to the flame, remembering it over and over again. I choose to think of how many sins God has forgiven me. Do you know how many tickets he could have given me? (laughs) But he let me go. Matter of fact, he said, I'll pay it with my blood. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed today, maybe before you even have the conversation with the person, something can happen right now in your heart say I'm gonna forgive I'm gonna let it go can I tell you just like Joseph lives will be saved somebody you haven't even met yet is waiting on you to live through and let go of what you've been through so it can breathe life into their soul Oh, that's why you cannot quit. You don't know what's on the other side. Do you know how many people Joseph saved who were dying of a famine? I'm glad he didn't quit in the pit or in the prison. People were waiting on his wisdom. So with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if there's somebody or something that you need to say, God, I'm letting it go. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. God has forgotten about it. Why do you keep bringing it up? Would you just lift up your hand today as a sign to say, God, today I'm lifting up this hand as a sign to say, God, I'm letting this go. I don't want this to weigh me down. Hands are going up all over this place today. Father, thank you for the freedom that is represented in every hand. Oh God, I know for some, today is the day that is going to fall off of them. Today is just, just the beginning of a process say, God, I choose to remember not what was done to me, but what you did for me, Lord. That's what I'll rehearse. Anybody just lift it up. Anybody else lift it up. Put it right back down. Thank you, God. Head still bowed. Eyes still closed. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, which is the first step to know that you've been forgiven. Those who have been forgiven much and know it, they love much. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Robert, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you're new to this church thing. Or maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you've never given them your life. I'd love to give you that opportunity today with heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, from the bottom to the middle to the top section, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, would you just lift up your hand today as a sign to say, today's my day. I'm coming home. We say it all the time in social. You can always come home. If that's you, can I see your hand? Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, God. Come on. You don't have to get yourself together to come. To this Savior he's not like us while we were sinners Christ died for us anybody else can we repeat this prayer just as one big family as a matter of fact if you feel comfortable can you just lift up your hands just as a sign to say God I'm not holding on to anything these are empty hands I'm not holding on to any bitterness God these are empty hands that I'm holding before you can we pray this prayer especially those of you who responded just say dear Jesus I need you. Lord, thank you for loving me enough to pay the price for my sin. Oh Lord, they've been so much. They've been so many. Lord, thank you that you did not hold my sin against me. You forgave me. You continue to forgive. So, Lord, today I invite you into my heart. Make me brand new. No more bitterness. Replace the anger with joy. Father, give me perspective to see that your hand has been guiding me, that you've always been with me, so I can trust you freely. I have been forgiven, so freely I will forgive, in Jesus name, amen, 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 amen.